Retain podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. So uh, today I've got Linda Matthews, who is a, a seasoned customer success leader, um, been in the technology and SaaS industry for, for such a long time. And uh, Linda, I know you're up in the uh, New England area right now. You said it's getting a little bit of sunshine, feeling a little bit nice. Uh, I was up there two weeks ago, and I, I have to say I'm, I'm quite jealous of your, your summers up there. They're not quite as warm as you guys have down there. So beautiful day out today and excited to join you and, and have a conversation today. Cool. Well, I always like to start with a, a couple of fun questions and uh, hopefully, you know, catch you a little off guard, but just some icebreakers like, hey, how can we get to know Linda real quick? So um, right off the bat, this is one that I've always used. I don't know why, but it's just something that um, near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, if you uh, if you're in the morning, you know, making breakfast, what's your favorite fruit? Ooh, cantaloupe. Is that a fruit? I think I'm, it is. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go is, with cantaloupe. You're the first one. I, yep. I try and keep uh, at least a mental note of ones that people say, you're the first one that says cantaloupe. We've had a lot yep. of your traditional, uh, like pineapple, strawberries. Um, nobody's said blueberries. We had a lot of mangoes. Um, but yeah, cantaloupe is the first one and very it's underrated. Pretty, it's a pretty consistent item on any brunch buffets. So it's usually a good, safe choice. And it's one of those <laughs> I love where you can kind of cut it up and then just, you know, put it in the fridge and you've got fresh stuff ready to go. Yeah, I like it. Um, uh, that is, yeah, I, I like the, the good, safe choice, you know, uh, exactly. which is if you're out, out and about, um, awesome. Well, it, we are in the midst of summer right now. Like I said, I feel like it was, you know, beautiful, great up in uh, the New England area. So, you know, if you're planning your perfect weekend, uh, what's a, you know, what does a Friday night look like, or what is a Sunday morning kind of pick your pick one of those or pick, you know, anything in between, but what's, you know, if you had to describe something for your perfect summer, summer night up there, uh, what's it look like? You know, it's really all about uh, friends and that can take place with just a great small dinner party outside. We've got a fire pit, you know, particularly oh, yeah. as what we've all lived through in the last year and a half. I actually have a, a group of small friends. There's 12 of us and we, we call ourselves the covert Kiki. And we had dinner <laughs> three nights. We had dinner three nights a week during the pandemic because we all just rotated between houses and we're safe. Yep. And so that's really about friends. Um, and then the exercise part and the good weather is the golf. So those, those would be the bookends to the weekend. I love it. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm I actually that you do, you might've stolen my great weekend too. If I could play some golf and then hang out with some friends, I actually have uh, three of my best friends from college have just moved back uh, to Charleston. We all went to school in Charleston. They moved away. They had a, they each had a mid midlife crisis, as I like to say. And they said, why am I not back living in Charleston amongst friends? And uh, so they moved back. So I've been trying to do the, the, the same thing this year. Just like you mentioned, we've been trying to do a lot of dinner parties, hang out, just spend time together because uh, we haven't had the chance to do it. So exactly. it's a great thing. Uh, well, I think the, the fun part about today's conversation is I think this, the, the, the two topics that we're going to touch on most uh, really navigate beyond just customer success. Obviously, I think they're we're going to talk about uh, some of the context in in a light of customer success and, and being customer facing, dealing with customers. But I do think if you're listening to this, there is, uh, you know, send this to your product leaders, send this to your marketing leaders. Like there are, I think there's going to be some nuggets here. And really, the the, the first topic I wanted to dive into is just this uh, concept of uh, words matter. You know, I think we've uh, I have been customer facing at least in my career for uh, a large portion of it. And I've always, always been cognizant of um, how do you approach a conversation, you know, verbally, what are you saying? If you're in a meeting room, you kind of have to look at your nonverbal cues as well, right? Um, outside of just even being words. 
but now I think it's also translating into the, the written form because we're now looking at um, everything from emails to in-product in notifications to um, you know, communities and other things that are verbally or uh, written now are, are becoming so, so critical. And so um, I'm curious for you, you know, when you think about words, how words matter, um, what is like the first thing that comes to mind for you or how, how did you um, approach that, I guess, throughout your career and making sure your teams were thinking about this um, and being cognizant of it? Yeah, you know, it's really, as you said, it's fundamental across all groups. But if you look at the customer success realm, you know, it's not just about, oh, everything's great today. A lot of times there's challenges. So to me, the theme is about communication and transparency. It's about how can you have a very succinct, concise conversation, a lot, right, respecting that the customers have a lot of time, but also making sure that you're positioning things in such a way that it's uh, leveraging your empathy and really listening to what the customer's pain is, what their challenge is, so that you can then come back into the organization internally across the groups and say, okay, guys, this is the challenge or opportunity we have. This is what I heard from the customer. And being then able to translate that internally to the team so that you can constructively come together and, and solve it or develop a proposal for an opportunity. Um, and it really is a matter of, you know, even if you think about, it's not just verbal communication, but it's also written communication. How can you ensure that what you're going back to the customer is going to be read and absorbed? The key is, is being concise. You really want to make sure that you leverage fundamental best practices of what is the ask? Nice, great, nice, what, nice to see you. What is the ask? What is the summary of the details of the issue? And this is what the recommendation is. So trying to be as succinct as possible on that is pretty important. But it's also important to then understand what you say can influence other things in your relationship with that customer. It can influence the commercial activities. It can influence the product development. And the reasons I say that is, you know, use an example of during uh, the sales cycle, the customer has a perception um, that the, the solution does a certain thing. So you want to be able to, you know, listen and be empathetic. But you don't want to acknowledge that maybe your team made an error. You just want to absorb that and then take it back internally. Be Depending on the words you use or what you say, you could set an expectation to the customers like, well, the customer success team acknowledged that we were misled on this, so I want a discount on my renewal. So tying those things together is pretty important because how the CSM will handle that conversation could impact the financials uh, of, the, of the commercial relationship. Yeah. I love the, a couple of the points that you called out in there. One is concise. That's something that I always try and work on. You can tell verbally, I talk a lot. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, I talk too much, but so that's definitely something that I've had to think about quite a bit. And I, I, I do think there's certain environments I do better. And if, if I'm going into a customer conversation, uh, I can really rein it back. And actually um, I'm very conscious about it because one of the things I've been doing recently, and I'm curious if you've maybe seen or heard people doing about this, but uh, I'm a big sports fan and I've just been fascinated with learning about, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryant's and all the, the great athletes of the world, uh, you know, who are out there achieving things and, and you kind of learn and listen to some of the techniques that they have. And then uh, one that I've been applying in the business world is this idea of just visualization. So before meetings, what I've started doing recently is saying, is kind of asking myself two questions, kind of one, you know, how do I envision this meeting going? Like, what are, like, can I close my eyes and really see, okay, here we're kind of moving in the meeting, you know, we're kind of moving point to point we're going. And at the end, the second question I ask myself is what do I want to feel at the end of the meeting? Like, how do I want to feel and how do I want to make other people feel like walking out of that meeting? And that's just been a really powerful um, aspect for me to, to 
prepare for that. And I think it's, you know, again, kind of a, a technique you can use. Um, it might sound hokey. It might sound, you know, um, a little out there, but at the same time, I've just done this recently. And even if it's a placebo effect for me, I, I feel a lot better, at least like walking into those. Um, because just to your point, I think I can, can look and start thinking, okay, if I'm, you know, going along in this conversation, kind of visual or visualizing it, I can at least start to maybe prepare for things that I think might happen. Or the other person might say, it, it just helps me feel a little bit more comfortable in the moment um, with the things that I'm going to say. So I don't know if you've um, ever done techniques like that or thought about that, but that's just something I've, I've done recently. And that's a great one. And I definitely jotted that down for myself. But if you then take that as the baseline, then talk about how does that customer call go? The best practices are when you get on the call and it should be in the meeting invite, what's the objective of the meeting? Yep. And when you reach that objective, you're done. Don't let everybody keep going on and on and on. But then the customer starts to respect and understand that when they've got a meeting on the on their calendar with you, it's going to be concise and it's not a waste of time. So yeah. you're taking that visualization of, you know, um, what is the, the, the goal of how you envision it to go and how do you want to feel well how do you set yourself up to achieve that and yeah. doing that in my opinion is that communication and setting that transparency of hey i know your time's valuable thank you so much for this opportunity this is what we wanted to accomplish today is that still what you want to accomplish and you then tie that into even uh, when a customer buys your product every single in my opinion quarterly management review should start with why they bought the product and are yep. they achieving that objective and always making sure you go back to that and gain confirmation uh, i think is part of that whole communication and, and transparency theme as well yeah and i love the point you just mentioned too um, which i think you said a little bit but also i think you're you're subtly talking about which is if you're having the meeting right really take ownership of the meeting right there's got to be the prep beforehand you have to then command the room. I I, I try and um, have tried to use a lot of the, the skills I've gained from our gain, grow, retain stuff over the time to, to help me. How do you facilitate a meeting and get people talking? How do you not just talk the entire time of a meeting, right? Like that's, I've, I've now almost started thinking about how meetings are bad if I'm talking the whole time. Like it's, you know, you, you really want to try, how am I engaging um, and how am I asking the right questions? Like you said, how am I kind of navigating that? But the key, the, the thing I love that you said is like, once we've hit the objective, we don't need to be here, you know, theoretically any longer. Let's, let's give people time back. Like people appreciate when you do that instead of letting other things linger. Hey, well, oh, we'll just start adding other, other stuff on. Oh, hey, we just need to jump into this. And um, it's just not as effective, right? You want to feel accomplished. So it's, hey, we accomplished this. <clears throat> and I think it also, like you said, starts to set boundaries, but also starts to show how you're really trying to be a partner and not necessarily a vendor, right? I think sometimes exactly. you, sometimes you kind of let, the, your customer kind of control the meeting, right? Oh, I, I scheduled this meeting with the customer. Uh, we had objectives, but I'm gonna let the customer run the meeting. And it's kind of um, not, not intuitive because the, the customer is actually coming to that meeting, expecting you to run it, expecting you to you know, get things done and, and move things along. And so that, that type of um, mindset, I think goes a long way. Yeah, and then it leads, I don't mean to interrupt, but then it leads no, no, into the follow-up. So you have that meeting, you achieve your objective, get your notes out within an hour. Because two things, your brain, particularly as we get older, you're not going to retain as much, depends how you took notes, but it also is right back on their screen to say, okay, this is what we talked about. This is what we agreed about. So, and they can then come back to you and say, no, actually, this, I, I meant this. So getting something back to them right afterwards, again, it's the fundamentals, but oftentimes I think we get so busy and we get so 
dragged into two, you know, too many different directions, which is just part of the world. But this actually, if you can try to revisit the fundamentals, it's pretty important. And one of the things that I've actually done for several years is I would give a talk at our annual um, kickoff meetings about words that matter. Yeah. And, you know, we, I want to go back as well, because I think that's a very valuable point to make sure other groups are included. But when you talked about preparing for the meeting, if there's other team members participating that are not commonly customer facing, like engineering, like product, yeah. um, we want to talk to them in advance and say, hey, guys, this is the this is what we're trying to accomplish here, because how they approach this and what they say can impact uh, things as well. You know, one of the key things, and I've never known a product group uh, that wants to overcommit on delivering because they'll always just give you a quarter, not a date. But you also <laughs> want to make sure that, you know, they have participation in the follow-up as well. So helping um, almost the customer success team can mentor other team members as they engage with a customer, because a bad engagement with anyone in your company is going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And it's a matter of, you know, the CSM can help influence and mentor that. Yeah. I've actually seen it as a, almost as a negative sometimes when you hear um, when, you know, you're not always trying to get other teams in, in front of customers, right? You're not always trying to um, just kind of let them uh, get, get full reign, but if there is the right resource, um, I've actually seen as a negative where people are like, oh, no, no, we can't bring in product, right? We don't know what they're going to say. Oh, no, no, we can't bring in, um, you know, some of our solutions engineered. Oh, we don't know what they're going to say, like, whatever the, the thing, negative connotation. But I, like, I, I think like you, you know, how do you actually help nurture and coach that person walking into the meeting and saying, hey, this is a great step. Now you're going to get to get, get to be customer facing a little bit more. You're going to start to be in these meetings. Here's, here's some things to keep out for, right? You know, here's, here's some things that are really going to matter. And at the end of the day, the reason I say that is because I think that's how you continue to build this idea and culture around customer centricity or whichever, uh, you know, word you want to use the word of the day choice of, of being customer centric. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's how you continue to get people wanting to think about customers, wanting to be involved with customers, learn their challenges, get in front of them as many, as many times. Uh, that's how you kind of get other departments who might not be as customer facing um, wanting to do that is if you're helping and coaching and, and showing them it's a positive experience, right? Um, I used to have, there was a, a team that I used to work for and you would inherently every situation that they were being brought into was negative um, when we were bringing in product and engineering. And so, yeah, you know, yeah. by and large, they just started thinking about it as a totally negative. I don't want to be in front of the customer. They're just going to yell at us. They're just going to have a bad thing. And so we tried to start figuring out how to turn the tide of, of, Hey, how do we bring them into positive conversations where we're, we've, we've gotten good feedback and how do we just grab somebody and say, Hey, we want to bring you to this meeting because they're talking about how, how these things have been yep. great. Because you also want to, again, you kind of want to find the balance. You don't always want to just bring people into negative conversations over time. Agreed. And you also need to, you could help them. Some people are great at it, but you also need to help them on, you know, craft the message back. So a lot yep. of times the, you know, the, the negative is the customer asks for a particular feature or functionality, well, they're not going to get it because the reality is, you know, our company's on this lane. Yes, I could deliver that for you, but I'm not going to maintain it year over year. So you're then going to be off of where we are as a company. How yep. do you draft that message? And it gets back to the opening, what I talked about, it's com communication and transparency. So the message to the customer is just that. Yes, we could do that for you. Uh, however, we don't recommend it and we're not gonna be able to do it for you because of these reasons and have them, help them understand it. They may say, I'm gonna go to somebody else, um, but certainly at least you're honest with them and you're not telling them, oh yeah, it's on the roadmap. Well, is it really on the roadmap? So helping those teams craft the conversation with the customer is pretty important, particularly when you're delivering what they may perceive as bad news. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, 
the other the other piece that I was just um, sitting here and thinking about too is you mentioned obviously the written side of things and how again doing the fundamentals definitely matters but then also making sure when you're you know when you think about the written part of what you're doing um, how that can really impact things that you're doing as well and um, I, I've over the years um, started to subscribe to this mindset of also just writing like you talk I think sometimes we try to um, make things sound, you know, uh, well, the corporate speak, or we make it seem much more polished. And um, again, I think we're now learning or now in the, as you look at it, right, we're in the business of creating relationships, we're in the business of trying to further what we're doing with not only customers, but vendors, coworkers, mm-hmm. um, anybody who's in this realm. And I think what the last year has taught us, right, is we need connection more than ever. And so one of the ways I've, I've continued to think about that quite a bit is, am I writing it like I would talk? Am I reading it back? And it sounds robotic. And I would never really say that then like, I need to change it. I need to make it, you know, I think you, you can strike a balance between kind of um, making sure you're staying professional, but also making it conversational and approachable. Like those are the two things that come to mind for me. And so I'm curious if you've um, consciously thought about that as you, you know, think about how you're writing things and playing it back for customers or even team members, if that's something that you've just, you've thought about in your career. Most definitely. You know, I'm still a big believer in having a, a- colleague um, read something before I send it, particularly if it's a, a, a difficult topic or something that, you know, could influence uh, a huge upsell. And what that does is gives you an extra set of eyes against it. And and while they know me and my communication style, they can also understand, okay, am, am I being concise enough, but uh, describing it sufficiently? So, you know, when I think about, you know, the what are the best practices um, you really want, you know, it talked a little bit about the meeting invites as well. You really want the summary of the topic of topic or issue. What is the ask? Why did you send them this correspondence and what are you asking them to do with it? Um, is it just FYI, which I'm not a big fan of, but sometimes you have to do that. So what is the ask and what's the timing? You know, listen, this is what we would like from you. We would like you to prioritize the top 20 support cases you have open so we can make sure we're focused on that appropriately. So what is the ask? And I need that by Friday or whatever it is, or can you provide this to me by Friday? So really, you know, do that. But I'm also a big believer. If you're more than two or three times back on an email, you should pick up the phone. Yep. Say, can we just talk about this? And then when you do talk about it, then you stay in that same chain and you reply all and you say, great, thanks for the call. This is what we agreed. Um, A lot of times I think, um, particularly because we're now in this world of more remote than, you know, than ever, that too many emails are going back and forth. And I, I feel sometimes people to lose that opportunity of just picking up the phone. It usually can be a lot faster. Yeah. Going back to your point too, about the meeting prep. Um, one thing that I've tried to do much more of uh, in recent times, and just because again, like the sheer amount of meetings that people want to put on calendars, right. Is it, um, I go through and I, I try and think about the um, two things for me that are, are critical. One is the type of meeting. And I actually have three types of meetings that I typically try and put into a calendar invite. And so one is what I call an informational meeting. I think it was just like you mentioned, it's kind of an FYI, right? Hey, I, I, don't, I don't really want to hold this meeting, but I just have to make sure that the information is coming across, that you have it. Um, the second type of meeting that I think about is what I call alignment, which means, hey, I'm going to kind of read out some information, but really this is much more of a dialogue back and forth. We need to make sure we're on the same page and that we're kind of moving forward in the same direction. And then the third type of meeting I think of is a decision meeting where we're, we're coming together to the table and we are making a decision. There's going to be a concrete action. There's going to be something that really um, is impactful to what we're doing. And so I've tried to go through, um, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I don't do this every, I, I needed to get, to get better, but I try and do that quite a bit because um, I've also just fa- found how people find it helpful coming into the meeting already understanding, okay, am, am I going to have to be, uh, you know, 
off of mute on video, like totally locked into this, you know, yep. is this going to be much more of, of a um, informational piece? You know, Hey, I have to go pick up my daughter. Can I go, can I actually just be listening? And it's an informational meeting. And so like that, that type of thing to me has also um, been extremely helpful in the preparation of it. And then the second thing I'll do in that kind of after the type of meeting is like you just said, um, clearly articulate like, and I put it as what do, um, unless I've talked to him ahead of time, I'll put it as, Hey, what do I expect to accomplish out of this? And I put the, mm -hmm. the word I for a specific reason, because that's, it's still my interpretation. If we've talked yep. about it, then I'll put, what do we hope to accomplish? And that's a small, um, attention to detail, but that's just something that it reminded me of earlier when you were talking about that words matter, because if I word it as I it's, it's, Hey, we haven't talked about this yet. This is what I expect. And I'm probably going to ask you at the beginning, like, Hey, are these the right things that we should accomplish today? If yep. we've talked about it ahead of time, I'm going to kind of breeze by that, that, you know, we're, we're already going to have uh, kind of breezed by that, that aspect of it. Yeah. And I would enhance that approach by saying it, you know, particularly because of the, the struggles everyone's having of trying to balance everything. Hey, if anybody is it, particularly for the informational meeting, if anybody's participating, but you're going to be remote and you may be a bit distracted because you're driving, I can record it, you know, just yep. please raise your hand if you'd like me to record it. Um, and that way it gives somebody the confidence. It's okay. I missed a couple of minutes there, but I really want to understand what was happening. And I know it was recorded. So I have the confidence to be able to take care of the matter. I might be of making sure I'm getting my child to school, but not missing a, a key point of the teamwork. Yeah, that's such a good point. We, there's been a couple of areas too. We have an internal community, an internal community for, um, like our, our teams to go get engaged in. And so there's even oftentimes where people will say, Hey, um, I'm actually just going to go ahead and cancel the meeting just because, you know, I wanted to inform you about this. So I, I recorded something, here's the deck, and then they post it on a chain um, inside of the community and, you know, say, hey, can we go, and we actually have, like, you can uh, look at stats about who, how many people have actually watched it. So you can actually kind of go yeah. back and say, okay, hey, I noticed not everybody watched this, like, you know, just wanted to make sure it comes across. But that's, I mean, to your point, you know, trying to think about ways also just um, how to get rid of zoom fatigue might, might be that way, you know, just, yeah. Hey, we don't even need to be on the zoom. Like, well, I'm just going to record this and you all just give me some feedback if we need it. Yep, exactly. And it's probably a topic for another day, but I, I also think about, um, you know, how do you fundamentally manage your day? So because of the distractions and by distractions, I mean, you want to be concentrating on something. Oh, but I just heard a slack come in, or I want to do this, but I heard a text come in. So, you know, that's also something I do think it'd be a fascinating conversation for another day of how do you balance that? And how do you set, Put parameters on it with your colleagues to say, okay, you know, response time is expected to be this on Slack unless it's in the emergency channel. You know, so those things are a whole other um, gamut of distractions and how do you stay productive? Oh my gosh, I would love that. I've I've tried so many. Um, I'm I'm a, a really big tinkerer, even in like my, my personal, you know, in my life yeah. to try and find like what's going to work for me. How do I do this? Um, so yes, I actually think we should really do that. I think that would be a good one. We could even make it probably like a quick hit, like 10 or 15 minute version of like a, a condensed podcast to kind of talk about the yeah. ways that we've done that before. Yeah. Um, and so then yeah, even so, because yeah, I think customers are starting to use Slack with with their vendors. So yeah. all that is just a different realm of, um, how do you stay focused, uh, which would be a great topic. So obviously you can tell how excited I would get about this stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Now you have me thinking about all these things. Should we talk about that right now? Or do you want to get more prepared? I, I would love to drive into the escalation point. Okay, let's do it. So, um, so yeah, we're, so the second topic that we were, we were touching on, right, is words matter. We're trying to make sure, you know, that at the end of the day, we're, we're paying attention to detail. We're thinking about both, you know, written and verbal communication and that, you know, we're trying to be concise. We're trying to be effective. We're trying to be, you know, straightforward and drive transparency with customers and I think one of the, the perfect places to do that is in escalation management. You know, I think it's something that everybody goes through 
Uh, I feel like everybody can probably is, is either rolling their eyes or, you know, has been there right now um, in that situation. So what for you, like what, what are some of the keys to making sure that you, you have effective escalation management um, in place? And then we can kind of dive into some of those areas. Yeah, there's a couple things I would say, because um, I do think that the concise uh, communication written and verbal ties right into this topic as it does many. Um, but there's a couple things I would say in escalation management. The first is making sure you have a governance model in place. So when you are talking to your customers, every single management meeting, QBR, EBR, whatever you call them, you have the slide every single time. Here's our chain of command of how you get, and here's the cell phone number of the CEO. If you're not getting what you need from this group, this is where you can escalate to. So I think making sure that they always have access to that, because if something goes wrong, they're going to they're going to quickly start to press some buttons and are they pressing the right ones but if yep. you ingrain that and that it's always available to them it shows two things number one it truly shows them the clear path of escalation in, within the management chain number two it shows that we care and we're saying listen we expect you're going to get what you want from every level of the organization but if you don't here's the path to go yeah so that that would be one of the key things i think and then then it can lead into others but i'll let you go ahead and comment yeah i love that example so much because again, I can think of many scenarios on my hands, right? Where a customer gets frustrated and all they do is just start firing off emails to anybody that they've pretty much met before in the organization. So all of a sudden you've got your director of professional services involved. You've got your director of customer experience, your customer success leader, your support leader, everyone's getting involved and it's, and then all everyone thinks it's a fire. I mean, which arguably it is right. But everyone starts to think it's a fire. Everyone's, you know, now you've got really um, high paying resources that you are, are getting involved in this. And, and maybe like you said, there was already a path for us to handle these types of things, but now everybody's it's kind of thrown off their day. They're all worked up about it. And so even just putting it in front of them to say, Hey, let's reinforce this. But if you need anything and you can't get it X, Y, and Z, here is the right, here are the right steps to take. Uh, and you will, you know, effectively get the right response. It might not be the, the response you want, but you're going to get a response um, from that. So I love that exactly. example so much. Yeah, it, but then that ties into how do you manage an escalation that comes in? And in, in my world, you know, the CSM owns is the, is on point to coordinate the internal resources, not to designate who in engineering fixes it, but to say, you know what, engineering, I want you focused on the issue. I will help set the cadence and communication with uh, the customer and the, the management of that customer. So, you know, you've got the defined escalation process. That's great. That's what the customer the, the sees as far as who they call. But then internally, how do you do that? And that's really an important element to make sure that you're not crossing wires. You've got a single theme and a single communication channel back to the customer. And that's where the CSM plays a great role to say, you know what, listen, we've got a um, we've got a team coordinated internally that are that's looking at this. Um, I don't have an answer for you, but I will call you within an hour and give you an update on where we are. So you set an expectation because one of the important things is the customer reaches out. You want to acknowledge that you've heard them, um, get all the information necessary to help you know um, um, troubleshoot, but also ensure that they understand what should they expect. That you don't want them to think it went into a black hole. Like, well, it's quiet. Yep. Nobody's calling me. What's going on? Because then they're gonna they're gonna then go up that chain and say, I don't know what's happening. So you really want to make sure you set the expectation of this is what we need to do to troubleshoot this. We need to recreate the problem first, and we can't recreate it right now. That's what the team's trying to do. 
we'll yep. give you a call, you know, in two hours, four hours, depends on the severity of the issue. If it's a, it's, if it's a, you know, uh, mission critical app and something's down, that should be an hourly update, or it could be an active um, Zoom call that you leave on and people dial in and out as they have updates. So those are some of the best practices internally of, hey, as the CSM, I will own, you know, the customer communication on this as far as coordination. I'm going to need you to participate and provide the detail. Um, but then by creating that coordination point, the customer knows exactly what they're going to hear as far as updates uh, and then when. I think that's yeah. one of the key things. I love that. And I love your point too, just the, that the CSM can play a great role in doing that in coordinating things internally and then being the point person and getting back. We had, a, uh, we had an escalation recently and our CSM did a great job of, of doing that. They Again, this is a situation where the customer reached out to actually multiple people around the organization because they didn't know the right path. Uh, so that's something we have to work on. But uh, the CSM did wrangle everybody and say, hey, I've got a meeting for all of us for uh, 15 minutes. It's scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, anything that you want to include in that, just like send it to me ahead of time. I'm going to start consolidating everything. And then it was it was a, a really nice job, though, of kind of wrangling the cats because we all wanted to help. We all all, all of a sudden all, all wanted to jump in um, and did a really nice job of, of just becoming that single point of contact where it's, hey, you're getting the communication through me. And at that point, it's a really good thing because it's consistent and it's also going to be the same uh, person that they've dealt with before. And you're going to have somebody who's talking to you in the same way um, over and over consistently. The second thing I was going to mention too, that um, when you start thinking about escalation points and, and something that maybe I've noticed a little bit in my career too, is um, sometimes I think our maybe an executive's um, first thing is, hey, I'll just jump on a call with you with that troubled customer one-on-one. -on -one. And really that's not necessarily what the customer always wants, right? The customer doesn't really want to spend time with you because you're not you're not really going to solve the problem in the here and now. You're just going to talk to them, appease them, you know, try and, and so really what, the, you know, like going back to what you said, right? The customer really wants to see action and wants to see things that are happening and make sure that they're just feeling heard and addressed. And so I, I also think that's another reason probably back to your first point about making sure you have the right escalation path, because sometimes you're going to have a, an overzealous, you know, executive or CEO who all just get on the call. And then all of a sudden they're on the call and the, you know, the, the uh, customer isn't feeling any better because it's just like, Hey, thanks for the call, but you know, this isn't really helping. And um, you're not really telling me what, uh, what sort of action is going to be driven from this. Exactly. And if you then tie into what the process is, and I'm not a fan of um, the word playbook and I know it's all over the place. And I know a lot of the conversations on LinkedIn have been amusing on that. But one of the key elements is if you have an executive sponsor program or exec connect, and if you don't, I recommend you think about it, is you then say, okay, within my organization, who's the executive that's on point that already has had conversations? And then you make sure that the internal updates include that executive. You may want that executive just to lob a text in or a call in and say, hey, I want to let you know I'm aware of it. I'm monitoring it with the team. If you need anything else, please reach out. But I, I'm confident that the team has it. So you want to leverage that from both ends from that perspective. Um, and then the other element, and I'm zipping back a little bit um, to earlier, is you want it when you're talking to a customer, particularly as a CSM, you get introduced. How do you want to communicate with me? That's a question you wanna ask your customer. Do you yeah. prefer a phone call? Do you prefer email? Do you prefer a text? Because that way you understand how they like to be communicated with. And then therefore, if, when you know that, that's part of the guidance you give to your executive. If they don't mind text and they prefer text, you know, the CEO can text them and say, listen, this is John and I just wanna let you know, I know what's going on, that's it. So setting an expectation on communication with your customers is how do you like to be communicated with? And it's yeah. a question we often don't ask, but then we find out, um, you know, what is their preference if they, you know, they're not at their desk a lot. So they prefer a text 
those are, it's a great question to uncover and create and help you build a relationship uh, with that uh, customer that you're dealing with on a daily basis or weekly basis. Yeah. That also sets guidelines too, just for I, uh, one of the questions I've always asked too is, Hey, we're outside of business hours and, and something happens critical for one of your systems, right? Do you, you know, are you the type of person that you want me to alert you or, and then, you know, even if you can't do anything about it, or are you going to be thinking about that all night? And that was a bad exactly. thing to do, right? Or do you want me to send you an email that's just going to hit your inbox, you know, an hour before the, your day starts and you can, you know, start to get a jump on it then. So um, even, yeah, I, I love the point about asking some of those questions. It's really funny too. I, I found recently that asking some of those questions actually catches customers off guard because they're not asked those enough. Almost. It's not really yeah. common. So it's kind of like a, a question that sometimes they're kind of like, oh, you know, I've never been asked that before. So it actually is just another way to just to um, kind of show, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking ahead here. We're, we're trying to be really cognizant of this partnership. Uh, and it's also going to make them think about their other vendors, right? Hey, how, how come they're not doing this with me? Right. And, you know, like that's another uh, kind of little differentiator that you can throw in there is, hey, we're, we're starting to establish some cadences and some different things that you might not get with another vendor if you were potentially going to leave us, you know, in the future, like that's the type of thing that maybe sits in their mind a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's changed a little bit in the last few years, but it was hard to get their cell phone numbers. There's some people that are very quiet in how they manage and they don't want their cell phone out there, but this also gives you a little bit more of a data point and say, okay, they're willing, you know, to take a call on their cell. So it's also valuable then to make sure you've got it in your, whatever CRM system you use that it's, you know, there in record. Um, but at the same time, then you can share with them how you like to be communicated with. The reality is, is it depends on what your offering is as far as what your CSM for. Is it a, pro a product that's mission critical that it can go down 24-7 over the weekend? So you in turn have to understand what is your role and responsibility and therefore, you know, share information. And if I know I'm going to be on an airplane and something's, you know, we're doing a big release or something, you know, then I would maybe say, hey, my this is my boss's number if you need to reach him because I'm going to be out. So it creates a, a, a a great back and forth dialogue um, from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. That's another another topic for another day. But that, that point you just made about understanding the type of product um, that you have and, and uh, some of those questions, I think some sometimes people might forget to ask those as they're actually applying for jobs or getting into a, all of a sudden you, you get a job, you're excited about it. And then they're like, hey, you know, we've got a pretty mission critical software here, you know, like we're going to, you know, you're not going to have to work every weekend, but there might be a situation where you have to get, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're caught off guard by that. So I was going to say, it's another topic for another day where, um, Hey, are you kind of asking the right questions about the type of product you're getting into? Because that's, that might dictate some of the hours you work, or for instance, like we have, um, you know, we've got a, an office over in Australia and, you know, and, and they're part of our, our team. And so we need to go, uh, you know, every week we're spending time doing stuff with them. And it's like, Hey, we're, it means we have to be on a little bit after our hours, uh, exactly. their hours on. And those are types of things you'd ask as part of that uh, interview process. It is. And, you know, I heard this the other day, actually, when I was talking to the CEO of a small company, it's not about the work-life balance. It's about the work-life harmony. I really liked that. And it's about making sure when you join an organization, you need to understand you know, everybody typically is all in. I'm not saying anyone isn't, but your life is different if it's a mission critical um, product. Uh, you know, if it's running their revenue streams and, you know, it's a coffee chain and the, the something breaks, you can guarantee that their CIO is going to be on the phone with somebody real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I actually heard that as well. The work-life harmony, I heard uh, Jeff Bezos had a good talk uh, a, a number of years ago at uh, some Washington event that was recorded and he was talking about that, you know, he, he, he said, I don't really believe in work-life balance and, you know, kind of talked about how, you know, it can't be a, a hard kind of stop between the two, right? Yeah. And you can't, 
Um, but he said, what he said is he goes, I want to make sure that uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, that uh, I feel like I've got time uh, where I can do both and that I can uh, set the appropriate boundaries at the, at the appropriate times and kind of um, navigate through life. But I, so I agree. I, I love that concept too. Yeah. Um, well, one last question that I just wanted to throw out there too, you know, we're kind of talking about uh, escalation management. One thing I think I've um, seen teams struggle with or, or think about quite a bit is um, internal communication around some of this escalation, right? You've got, um, uh, you've got email, you have phones, you've got text messages, you have Slack, you might have a community, an internal community. Okay. And so I'm curious if you, if you've had to like think through some of that as well, you know, what are the right or effective ways to communicate internally and, and what are some of the best practices that you've seen? Yeah, I think that most recently in the last few years, I think a Slack channel dedicated to the issue is the most effective. Um, and that's particularly, that's the assumption with that is that Slack is permeated through your organization. So it's used by engineering, support, uh, customer success, management. Um, and so I think that's an important thing of making sure that if you do choose that, that method, of that the whole company's bought in on it because you yep. can't just use a fun new chat bot that's you know somebody picked up because they think it's fun if half the group is on it doesn't matter so the most effective i've seen of late is really leveraging that slack um, side of it it's more uh, real time but then from there putting that content into written communication on an email summary to then say okay this is what i'm going to send to the customer does everyone agree with this and you cut and paste it back in but that, that but moving that to email gives you a little bit more of a trail of um, you know, confirmation that everyone agreed to what you're communicating. So I think Slack is good for the, 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 the team working on the issue and then migrate the key data points out of that into an email that would be get sent back out, confirmed internally, sent back out to the customer and include CCs of, of the customer management as well as the, um, uh, uh, you know, us as a company. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love that example. And I, uh, I love the point too about um, taking the critical information and then playing it back internally via an email first. Um, because, and then what I like to do too is, is like, Hey, respond to, you know, just give me a quick reply to this. If you've read it and make sure you agree, just like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you're just wanting to make sure, Hey, are we all on the same page? We all agree to this messaging. Um, and cause this is going to go out and, you know, we're going to have to like sit behind this. Like this is going to have to be something that, you know, we, we stand behind. Right. Um, and we don't don't want to say the wrong thing. So I right. just think that, that coordination and, internally matters. Yeah. And one of the keys with that is you have to understand everyone's not technical in the audience who's going to be reading this. So yep. even, you know, everyone knows me, I'm not overly technical, but I'm going to repeat it back to you to make sure I'm saying it correctly and that the customer can understand it. And so I think that's also key is you've got varying levels of technical skill if it's a technical issue. Um, so you want to make sure that it's it's written and stating correctly as well. Oh, this is awesome. Well, Linda, uh, this has been fun. So we talked about, you know, how words matter, uh, making sure you've got attention to detail, uh, verbal and written, you know, matter, conciseness, and then, you know, really trying to think through, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, what's the right communication channel with customers um, and how are you effectively doing that? And then we kind of moved into escalation management. You know, I think a couple of the things that stood out to me, just making sure that you're defining that escalation process back to customers regularly, right? Trying to make sure and reinforce, hey, here are the steps to go. So that when something does happen, they're not causing fires all around the business for you. Um, I think the other thing, you know, the other two things that just stood out for me is just um, thinking about an executive program. And it's not all about that executive has to be um, clued into every little thing that's happening, but have they had enough conversations to establish a relationship that they can rely upon during these types of moments? And then I think just 
being a, a CSM, being a really great quarterback during these types of situations, hey, can I gather everyone internally? Can I get the right messaging? And then can I be that single point of contact to drive consistency and clarity for the customers through that? So um, I've had fun. This has been really, I think there's so many good actionable pieces, which I always love when we do um, podcasts like that, that people can can hopefully get out of here. So um, Linda, this was fun. Uh, now, you know, would love to make sure that people can find you, connect with you and, and uh, hear more about this or even get uh, other tips and tricks and uh, things that you've done in your career. Where can they find you? No, listen, that's super. I'm on LinkedIn, Linda D. Matthews. Um, you're also welcome to send me an email at lindadmatthews at comcast.net. You know, I, I thrive on this. I, I'm very passionate about it, as a lot of my former um, team members and colleagues know. And, you know, to this day, I still do a lot of mentorship with folks I used to work with or even some new folks I've been introduced to. So always love chatting about everything customer success and, you know, really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation today. So thank you. Well, I think we're going to we're gonna have to have you back because we already... I think we teed up two other topics to talk about um, and I'm really the, the productivity and, you know, how, how do you kind of establish your, your day-to-day working cadence? Like that one to me is like, I, I really, I, I, we're going to have to do it because I have learned so many tips and tricks over the years, but I am always curious about what other people do. So I think I have some, something to learn from you. So if I can coax you back, I would love to do that one. Be happy to. Awesome. All righty. Thanks, Linda. We'll see you soon. Right. Cheers. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.